The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. If I said to you, oh, I'm going to tell the story today of three crosses, I wonder what image comes to your mind. Probably this one. Yep. Did that come to your mind? Yeah, of course, we just said Easter, hey? It's beautiful, beautiful, wonderful truth of Easter. Well, actually, it's not those three crosses. I want to show you what I'm going to talk about today. It's those three crosses interweaved in my, my story to you. I just want to remind you of the life source values. For those of you that have been here any length of time, you'll know these. And the values of life source are loving God, growing spiritually, and helping others. Oh, it's gone. All right. That's our our values, all fantastic. And today I just want to major in on the helping others value. And so I I want to use the verse Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. I just love these. They're just awesome. So let's have a read of it from the New Living Translation. Next verse, please. It is possible to give freely and become more wealthy, but those who are stingy will lose everything. The generous prosper and are satisfied, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And there's beautiful, beautiful truths there, but I really like it in the message. So can we have the message version, please? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Oh, I love that. I want to live in a big world. Anyone else want to live in a big world? Yeah? Well, to live in a big world, you've got to be generous with all that you are. Yeah? And so my story starts in 2009 when we had the Victorian bushfires. Now, they were just terrible bushfires. Let me, um, can we put up that picture? Yeah. Let me remind you of some of the stats. There was 173 people died. It's a lot of people. There were 414 injured. There were 3,500 homes and businesses lost. Now that sounds, you know, just, oh, 3,500. That's an awful lot of heartache. The homes, the businesses that were destroyed at that time. So I was working as a chaplain um, with the, the Marysville Township. Marysville was obliterated. There were 17 homes left in the entire town. So I was speaking to a lady from there, and she was a beautiful Christian lady, but she had lost absolutely everything. And as we were talking, she said, Anne, the thing that I can't replace is the precious things, like my daughter had bought me a cross, and uh, she actually made her a cross, and she said, and that's gone. And it's the things like that that I can't replace that has really broken my heart. And I remember looking at her and thinking, what if that was me? And one of my key motivations is, what if that was me? Or what if that man was my father or my son? What if that young girl was my daughter? And it motivates me to want to help people because it could so easily be me. But I think one of the the reasons why we get afraid to be involved with people is that we know that if we get involved in other people's lives and help them, it has a bit of a cost to us. 
Like maybe it's an emotional cost. You know, if someone's in pain and you dare to go into their world, you will pick up on their emotional pain. And that can be sometimes really hard to handle. Not only will it be emotional pain, but it can make you vulnerable to the fact that bad things happen to good people. Yeah? That's a big thing you have to get your head around. But it does happen. And, and so by going into those worlds, we realize, oh, we can feel pain. What if it makes me start to think, God, why do you allow this? What if my worldview is shaken? And not only that, it's often the comfort zone. Oh, my goodness. When I've just been up there two weeks ago, my day started at 5 to 5.30 a.m. and finished at 10 p.m. That was a long day, and we did that for six days. And uh, that was a long thing. It was physically draining. You know, often our help is not quite that demanding, but it may mean you're having to bake a meal for someone, which takes effort. Harder job for some of us than others. Or it may mean babysitting or going shopping or just sitting there with someone in their pain. It, it just looks very different, the help that people need. But there's usually a cost. But I tell you what, when you look at the person that is hurting and think, that could be me, that just rises up the motivation to, to want to help someone. This happened to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, in chapter 3, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3, God sent him to speak to the people of Israel who were now in exile. So they were in a place called Tel Aviv, which is now Iraq. And they were exiled there. They'd lost everything, you know. Some of our beautiful refugees that are here today, guys, they've had to leave their country, their homes, to start again. These exiles were in the same place. And Ezekiel went to them, and we're told that for seven days... He sat with them, overwhelmed. He was probably picking up on their pain, picking up on the heartache, and he was probably realizing, I can't change this. I'm not the king. I can't send them back home. So he's sitting there really overwhelmed. But then God gives him the words to say. And I just love the fact that when we are brave enough to step into the world of people that are hurting, God will help us. He will give us the right words to say, or you will actually say, stop talking and just listen. So God can do that just as he did with Ezekiel. So the beautiful thing is that if we dare to help, God will use us. We will be his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece. It's beautiful. And so I looked at this woman who had lost everything but was grieving the cross and I was wearing a silver cross. And I thought, I can't build her a new home. I can't take the pain away, but I can give her something. And so I said, if you would like to, I'd love to give you my cross. It's a little symbolic act of reminding you that Jesus loves you, that I'm here for you. And she cried, and I cried, and I put the cross on her. And I just thought, oh. You know, such a little thing for me, but such a beautiful thing, because I just love helping people, because I find when you help people, you just feel so good afterwards. And so we came away. It was all good. And I'd love you to look at this verse again. Thank you, the Proverbs 11:25. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Well, that happened in February. Easter was coming a bit later, and so I realized, oh, I don't have a cross. And I like to wear a cross at Easter, so I just said, oh, well, 
And I just sort of said, Lord, I don't have a cross. But I didn't major on it. Well, I went to Westfields in Chatswood, and one of our ladies, Janet, was standing there looking in a jeweler's shop. And I said, hi, Janet, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm going overseas. I want to buy some crosses for my family. And she said, can you help me choose? So there was this beautiful black and gold cross. And I said to her, oh, they're just stunning. She said, okay, great. So off I went, did my shopping. At church the next Sunday, she came to me. She said, Anne, I bought the crosses for my family. Good. And then she said, but while I was buying it, God said, buy Anne one too. And so I looked and I had this most beautiful cross. And so I was just so touched because the ones that help others are themselves helped. And so I was just so blessed that God had given me a beautiful cross to replace it. But one of my other key motivations for helping people is the fact that it does please God, makes God happy. I love the verse in, in uh, Hebrews. Can we read this one, please? Don't forget to do good and to share what you have with those in need, for such sacrifices are very pleasing to him. God loves it when we help others. God loves generosity and, and time and care. And then Matthew, Jesus was speaking in Matthew 25, and he was telling the story, and he said about the king, and the king was saying, you know, when you fed me when I was hungry, and when you gave me clothes and I didn't have any, and when you uh, visited me when I was sick, and when you saw me in prison, he said, you were doing that to me. And, and that whole verse is when you you know, do it to the least of my brotherings, you're doing it to me. And it's almost like when we help others, in some symbolic way, we're also ministering to God as well. And so the fact that it pleases God, and it's almost like we're doing it to God himself, that really is one of my, emotion, uh, my motivations. Well, two weeks ago in, um, in the flood zone, I was at Lismore and Mwilimbar, and I wore my lovely black and gold cross, which I always do on a disaster zone. Let me just walk you through that experience. So, Lismore, the CBD, if you've ever been there, was totally flooded. So, it's, it's a huge area, and every single business in Lismore went underwater. I mean, that is a lot of heartache. Every home in the low-lying areas went underwater. So, after the flood water went down, this is what the streets look like. Everyone's possessions... Everything they loved, their lounge suites, their clothes, their jewelry, all went underwater. And it's not nice water that you can salvage. It's filthy, stinking, poisonous water where every, it's full of germs. Anyone that cut themselves in those times within two days, it was pussy. They were having to have antibiotics and really look after it. Um, even the dust, when it dries, will be given off germs and stuff. That is just awful. So it was a real mess. Can we, next one, please? And Tumbulgum is next to Mwilimbar, because Mwilimbar had the same fate as, as Lismore as well. And these were our beautiful pastors there, Rob and Brenda Stuttle. Now, they're beautiful country pastors. And the next one. So on the left, this is the church that they bought themselves when they went into the town. They wanted to pastor the town. Um, they had a very small congregation. And so they decided that they themselves personally would buy the church. Then they bought the house behind it, and so the house is built on stilts because it's so close to the river, as you can see on the left. That actually is the main street of town, at the front of their building. It's only just one block. 
But during the flood, have a look at what that looked like. They actually um, had little warning, really, of how high it would go, and they had to climb out that back window, go through the floods this high to get to their home. And, of course, up to pew level in the church, full of mud, their own stuff at the bottom, and the bottom of their house was under mud as well. Okay, next one. But you know, beautiful pastors, knowing that they wanted to help their community, as soon as the floodwaters went, they helped the council set up an information marquee right outside. So that's the front of the church. This is the main street. And they had the council people in there to give the um, different services that were available. But also, if people needed help, they'd come and they'd register like, I need my garage clean. And then people were coming from all over the region to, to say, well, we can help. And so they'd marry the two together so that the ones that needed help were given the help they needed. It was just beautiful. And I remember in Lismore, they had a similar thing. I cried at one stage where... Oh, I'm not going to cry now. I didn't cry the first service. Um, I didn't tell this story in the first service. I was there at the desk in, in the Lismore hub, and suddenly I heard all this clapping. And I thought... What? What's the clapping? One of the teams that had been out came back in filthy with this stinky mud from head to toe. They'd just come back from cleaning someone's home, and as they walked in, everyone stood and clapped. It was just so moving. It was very, very precious. Anyway, they were helping with that. The next one. They also um, started the community resource center, so if people wanted to donate goods, they were sent there, and then all the ones that had lost everything, they could come and get clean clothing and bedding and food and everything. And so the pastors were helping to run that, and I tell you what, I was there for a day, and it was exhausting emotionally and physically. But these pastors, they were giving, they were looking after their community. But the biggest thing they had to deal with was this. Do you remember the mother and the two children that drowned and the little girl, Chloe May, who escaped? Well, the pastors had taught all three children in Sunday school. They had been to their church. The mother had faith, which is beautiful. What you may not know is that the mother, Stephanie, the week before was in New Zealand burying her own father. So her mother has now buried her husband the week before, is now burying Stephanie and two of her grandchildren, and trying to support little Chloe May and the ex-husband through that story. So there's a lot of emotion there. And these pastors had been willing to do this journey with them. They were with them all the time, helping to support them. And the next one, it was Rob. They actually organized and led the funeral um, for them. They're actually doing a memorial in the next week or two. Rob had to handle all the media, he was dealing with the Governor-General. He was dealing with the Premier. He was just suddenly, wow, right there in the spotlight as the news was coming to interview them every day, and he handled himself beautiful. But he was so, so tired. And uh, it was my joy to be able to spend a day with them and just speak into their lives. But I said, guys, you're so tired. I said, Can you, are you planning a holiday? And they just looked at each other. I said, when was the last time you had a holiday in... They couldn't really tell me too clearly. They did have two days planned for an anniversary somewhere. And then I, through talking, found out that they don't have hardly any salary. Um, I mean, they bought the church themselves. And so I thought, their congregation can't help them very much. So I said, if you could choose a holiday, what would you like? And they said, we would love a cruise. 
It's like, ding, ding, hello, here's a cruise junkie here. I said, you love a cruise? And before I could stop myself, I said, we'll make that happen for you. And they said, what? And I said, we'll, we'll get you on a cruise. When all this has settled down a bit, we'll get you on a cruise. To which they burst into tears and said, you would do that for us? I said, of course, which is wonderful in the moment. <laughs> and then I left and rang up and said, um, this is to the president of the state, I said, um, can we send these lovely pastors on a holiday? Can we send them on a cruise? And he went, oh, we don't do things like that because we're looking after the flood zone and we will help with you know, a bit of the, the church insurance because it was $6,000 excess in the flood zone for which their church and their, their home. But he said, no, we don't do cruises. So I rang my husband and said, guess what I did, John? <laughs> I said, you and me are paying for their cruise. And he said, well, you can take it to the church. And if you want to partner, can I show that cruise boat? I booked them in in, in um, June. I'm sending them off on a 10-day cruise to the Pacific Islands. Um, and if you want to partner with that, we're not going to take up an offering, but if you'd like to, whether it's 5, 10, 50, 100, whatever, see the information desk, see Sandra, because I really, well, we raised just over a grand, I think, in the first service. Um, I got a raise 3,200, which is not much at all when you consider what these people have given and given and given. But I just know that those who help others will themselves be blessed. And I want to bless them. And I found out on the grapevine now, they're telling people, oh, we're going on a cruise soon. Pastor John and Anne's church is sending us on a cruise. They're so excited. I'm excited for them too. I think it's just, just beautiful. Just beautiful. So another key motivation that I have, it makes life exciting. Yeah. It does. You're out of your comfort zone. You're helping people. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Yeah. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So, okay. I am at, the, at Lismore. This is just two weeks ago, and... I'd been everywhere, I'd been Mwilumbar, Tambolgam, and then it was Sunday. It was the Sunday I wasn't here. And the lady in charge said, okay, everyone go to church, we'll go to the recovery center at 12 o'clock. And I went, look, I'm going home tonight. What if I go this morning? So I went and manned the chaplaincy in that morning. So they were calling me to people that were distressed. And so they came to me and they said, Anne, we have a lady who's really, really upset. Can you come? I said, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I went across and I could hear her sobbing before I actually got there. And then I looked and I saw this middle-aged lady just, just looking so forlorn and sobbing. So I went along and I just sat down and I said, hello, I'm Anne. And she looked at me and she went, Anne Uliano. It's like, wow, who's this that can say my name right? That's a miracle. My goodness. And I found out that 30 years ago, she was in our youth group when we pastored in Lismore. Her name is Victoria, and I have the permission to tell you her story. So this is Victoria. Victoria had had such a hard time over the last few years. They've got five children. The youngest one is autistic. Just leave it up for a minute. Can you do that? Because I want it to become real. Her youngest one is autistic. Her husband died suddenly of a heart attack, age 43, leaving her with the children. She developed all these chronic illnesses, and every moment of every day, she suffers pain. 
A couple of years ago, I don't know if you saw it, there were some kids out in Ballina playing and one got bitten by a shark. So his friend, who is her son, his friend went over, grabbed this boy that had been bitten in the shark, pulled him into shore, and then the friend died in her son's arms. So she's had a lot to deal with. Then when the floods came, she was actually babysitting that night for twin grandsons who were two and a five-year-old in the home watching the waters get higher and higher, and they were told that they were in the safe zone, but she's looking at these waters, and then they realized as the water started to spill into the house, we are not safe, I have my grandchildren here. So they were able to flag down a police boat, and they were able to get into a police rescue boat, for which she, amazing lady, made fun. Oh, we're going on a boat ride, and the little grandkids thought it was so much fun to go on this boat ride. There's pictures of them on Facebook waving, yay, we're having a boat ride. And she's just, ah, my goodness, on the inside. The flood came to a, a meter into her home, so everything below a meter is absolutely ruined. So she was just at, at the edge. She was questioning, God, where are you? Do you care? Why has all this happened? I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't even know if you're there, God. And then I come on the scene. And the beautiful thing is that we have been her favorite pastors. And so she said, God sent you, Anne, of all people. And we were able to start straight away at a very deep level. And I was really able to minister beautiful to her. It was such an honor. And as we were coming to the end of the conversation, I'd been praying with her. I just felt, see the cross? So I said, Victoria, I'd just love to do one thing. I'd love to give you this cross. That every time you look at it or wear it, you remember that Jesus loves you and he's just brought our lives together. Because she was meaning to come on the Saturday and things had happened, she couldn't get there. And I was only there for those five hours. God brought us together. And so I said, I'd love to give you the cross. To which she burst into tears. And she said, yesterday was my birthday. And she said, and I said to God, the only thing I want for my birthday is a cross. And so I just gave her the cross. We got a picture of her wearing the cross. And this is what she wrote this week to me when I was asking permission to tell her story. She said, I touch the cross about 50 times a day. Whenever I feel sad or anxious, I feel myself holding on to it. I just love it so much. You know, God loves us so much. He just weaves our lives to get us the help that we need. And I tell you what, at the end of that, I felt so warm and fuzzy and just so honored. I'm thinking, oh, God, it's such an honor to be in the right place at the right time. No wonder I get motivated to help people. And that's what I'm sure you all experience as you dare to enter into the world of the hurting just to help people. Oh, it's just so good for our soul and so good to see what happens. Uh, okay. There's other benefits, and I, I'm not going to go into it. You can look on the internet, because I, I just Googled the benefits of helping others. There's beautiful scientific things. If you're right into science, there's the glib things. But here's some of them. It decreases your own stress. It will reduce your own depression. It will increase your sense of satisfaction and happiness. It will reduce your loneliness. It actually, actually for all you scientific ones, has neurochemical changes, which make you feel better 
It's actual physical changes you help people. And then for teenagers, oh, promotes positive behavior. So there you go. So, you know, parents of all our teenagers, send them out to help others because it does, does great results. Go on the internet and have a look at yourself. But I love the verse in Hebrews. Can we have a look at that verse in Hebrews? For God is fair. He will not forget your hard work for him, nor forget the way you used to show your love for him, and still do, by helping his children. And we are anxious that you keep right on loving others as long as life lasts, so that you will get your full reward. Then, knowing what lies ahead for you, you won't become bored with being a Christian, nor become spiritually dull and indifferent. But you'll be anxious to follow the example of those who receive all that God has promised them because of their strong faith and patience. I love that bit. You won't become bored with being a Christian. When you dare to step into someone's world that's hurting, and you need God. You know, Alo talked about it. We never have training wheels with God. I'm forever going, oh, God, you've got to help me, please. I'm, and I'm going, God, you've got to help me with this cruise. He will. No worries. He's got it sorted. It keeps you on the edge. And it keeps life really exciting. So it's not indifferent for you. So if you've got a bit bored, start helping others. Start reaching out to those. Come and help with Alpha. Meet our new people discovering Jesus. Help in so many other areas in the church and out there in the community. And you will just find such a sense of satisfaction. So you say, didn't you say there were three crosses? Okay, so there was the silver one that you gave away in the bushfires, and then there was the gold one that Janet bought you, and now you've given away to Victoria. Well, I came back 11 p.m. on the Sunday night. Wednesday morning, I was here at church, and they called me to reception, and there was a man. I have no idea who he is. I still have no idea who he is. And he said, Anne, this is to say thank you for what you did up north. And he held out an Angus and Coote bag. And in the Angus and Coote bag was... Oh, it's stuck. A beautiful gold cross from Angus and Coote. It was my turn to cry. Because I thought, God, you care. You care so much for me. I didn't even ask for another one. So you're just getting a habit now. And I said, who's it from? And he just smiled and he said, it doesn't matter. It's just to say thank you for what you did up north. And then he walked away. I'm going, was he an angel? So, so I went and asked my staff and I asked my supervisor, who were the only ones that knew the story? Who was it, guys? Was it any of you? And they'd all say, no, it wasn't us, it wasn't us. And I sort of have a little sneaky suspicion that it was probably someone who saw the interaction up there. Someone in a whole different world from mine that decided they would show love, I think. But I'm not sure. I still don't know where it came from. But, you know, I'm, I'm just so blessed because those that help others will themselves be blessed. And I don't know how long I'll have this one doesn't matter. Someone's already said, I'm going overseas and I'm buying you another cross. It's like, oh, I'll probably have 50 so I can just keep giving away. I'd live. No, no, that's not it. If I'd given away the cross in Lismore before I'd met Vicky, it wouldn't have been the time. So we need to get the timing of God right. But when you do that and you help others, 
especially when God is asking that of you, my goodness, it makes a difference in their world and it makes a difference in our world. And I just want to encourage you, church, please step out of your comfort zone. There's a hurting world. We have to be the hands of Jesus, the mouthpiece of Jesus, the love of Jesus, and it makes such a huge difference to us. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.